It's the Meg John and Justin podcast. Hello and welcome. Yes, you got it. Uh, This is a culture sex relationships, but it is the old team back together. The old partnership. Meg John and Justin. Let's go through some famous partnerships. That's what you usually do here, isn't it? So, uh, Lovell and Hardy. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, good. Cagney and Lacey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to be Harvey from Cagney and Lacey. Oh, uh, with that yeah. giant moustache. It's just. Yes. It felt, I feel like if I could grow a moustache like that, I would just. I would be mustachioed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. My dad used to have this. In fact, all of my. All of the men in my family had these giant mustaches, and it felt like a real, like, until somebody said, somebody <laughs> must have said it at a Hancock meeting once, or, you know, this is a bit gay, don't you? And immediately they all came off. Oh, no. It's a real shame. Oh, no, they were a bit yeah. village people going on there. Well, they all really liked, they were, they were these guys who really liked Queen, you know, they loved Freddie Mercury, oh, and they got yeah. upset when they found out that he was bi. Oh, come on. Yeah, and well, and they'd had mm. no inkling. You know, it's, it's oh, that kind of it's yeah. that kind of masculinity. So That's very sad, very sad on so many levels. It really is. Yeah. Anyway, we're back and we're going to do a show kind of This one feels like it's kind of bookending the pandemic, but it's not obviously the pandemic's not over. But mm. we went around this time last year, although it doesn't feel like a year ago. It feels like a it was like two years ago. A um, decade, I would yeah. say. <laughs> like, what? Oh, yeah. We're going to do... So we started, We did um, some shows about how we handle... How we, how we even, like, do this. Like, how we get through this, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, and we talked about... We, and, I mean, we have got through. Well, well, you and I have got through it. Well done, mate. Just about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, we've done it. We made it through. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. And so... And so basically, it, there is like, uh, as the in the UK, the government restrictions on what we can do are gradually loosening. And so we wanted to kind of do a show which was about that kind of gradual loosening and mm. unfolding. There was actually a bit that before I wanted to get stuck into the episode, I also wanted to bring up uh, the yeah. decriminalisation of sex work, MJ. I forgot to speak to oh, you about yes. this, but we I just wanted definitely. to bring it up again. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, dear listener, uh, if you've been following uh, uh, Culture Sex Rel on Twitter um, or me at Bish Training, I think Meg John's probably been posting about this as well, is that uh, decrim now... Uh, our allies, uh, not our allies, we are allied to decrim now. Mm. Uh, the uh, campaign, which is about the decriminalisation of sex work, uh, put together this fantastic open letter, which has been signed by basically anyone who's any good at anything has signed this. So several <laughs> unions have signed this, several leading uh, feminist academics, um, just amazing people have, have signed this, a couple of great mm. socialist politicians. Uh, and it's a really powerful open letter which has all of the evidence about why it is that we need to resist uh, resist attempts to install the Nordic model for uh, yeah. sex work, which is where clients are criminalised because that puts sex workers at harm and mm-hmm. violence towards in countries where the Nordic model has, uh, well, in part of the UK, Northern Ireland, the Nordic model is already in place and also in France. 
Yeah. Uh, the demand for sex workers has not decreased, but violence against against sex workers has. Uh, criminalization of any further criminalization of sex work puts sex workers at greater risk because it reduces their ability to negotiate the kinds of practices that they want to do and actually it gives more power to the client not less and so uh, decriminalization is a way it also is what sex workers the vast majority of sex workers want it Mm. also will help them to organize and protect themselves because um, there are uh, laws governing um, sex workers working together uh, so decriminalization of sex work will help workers to organize and help them to uh, mm. keep themselves safer and to tackle the exploitation in the industry. But then there is exploitation in all work. In every industry, you know, yes. Sex work is work and work is, can be very exploitative depending on, uh, depending on the power of the worker how much work mm. power, power the worker has so uh, i'll put a link in the bio to this uh, i'm hoping to do an episode with someone from decrim now in the next few days oh, as like a bonus episode but i just wanted to flag this up because this is very much happening now lab- uh, a labor mp is trying to introduce an amendment uh, about mm. this so please um use this open letter to email your mp it's incredibly straightforward if you can personalize the letter in some way as well that um that makes a difference because uh, if you say why does you think it's important rather than just sending the same template letter to everyone mm. um it's super important it's such a super important issue and there's real momentum and what's really lovely to see about this as well is that there's a lot of solidarity happening at the moment, uh, which is really great. It's people aren't just confined to the silos, uh, uh, to the silos of you know their particular issue. Everyone's mm. really working together on this. And big shout out to Sisters Uncut as well, who have been yeah. at the forefront of a lot of the solidarity building. But I know this is something we both are having mm. exactly the same view about. And we've talked about it on episodes before, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add to that bit? No, no, just absolutely. And yeah, if we can add something so people can see what they can do simply yeah. and yeah, straightforwardly. Yeah, put it I'll put mm. it in the show notes. Decrim now have made it incredibly straightforward and all mm. of the evidence is there as well. It's really, really um it's a really, really important issue and it's really at the core of all the work that we do as well, MJ, isn't it? It's about agency and consent and uh, mm. increasing um our capacity to be able to consent. And we don't do that by further criminalising sex work. We do it by mm-hmm. decriminalising sex work and allowing uh, sex workers to organise. So, mm-hmm. important issue and timely. And as this is going out this week, please act on that this week. Awesome. Uh, right, so back to us. And the, so, yeah, so we wanted to see this episode, which is like about this kind of slow unwinding. When we were just mm-hmm. chatting before, there was this kind of... Um, unlocking last summer wasn't there mj yes uh, this feels very different to that this feels i mean the government i think are still doing some things wrong but this Mm. feels like a more measured approach to what uh to what unlocking the unlocking our lives uh after Mm. the last lockdown does so it's 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 staged so they were putting four or five weeks in between the different things being reopened in order to keep an eye on the numbers uh in case they need to delay the next bit so there is i'm not going to go through the pathway you can look it Mm. up um but for example uh when schools went back they waited uh a few weeks to make sure the numbers didn't go up they actually went down uh, which is good to see, and so they are now. Open, the pubs are open. You can sit outside at pubs, mm. uh, and you can go to shops. So things are gently, are gradually opening. That's right, and I guess I just wanted to 
explore in the podcast particularly how that kind of you know as we always make the link with the personal and political or the Mm -hmm. social and the more individual and relational it's how can we do the same thing ourselves you know that's Mm -hmm. from a trauma-informed perspective Mm -hmm. that's exactly what we'd be wanting to do is this real gradual approach and also like a bespoke approach of recognizing it's going to be different for different people different groups Mm -hmm. um and how can like how can we best enable that ourselves as individuals but also in our communities right to to enable people to do it at their own speed and to do it gradually um as well as following those those guidances it's may they may not apply perfectly to every single person though exactly but i mean last year it kind of felt quite reckless i mean yeah it did it felt like the numbers were low during july and august um, they're about as low as they are now, if not a tiny bit higher. But then mm. everything just seemed to open all at the same time. So uh, schools opened, universities opened. Everyone literally yeah. just travelled around the country to go to university. And <sighs> like, a million young people changed where they live <laughs> yeah. because of a weekend. And then there was Eat Out to Help Out in August. And then mm. rates started to rocket. And then there was like... Yeah shifting around yeah it was and again the 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 overlap there between the personal you know the kind of impact that had on the country and the impact Mm. that had on so many people's lives but also the impact that had personally you know i just remember that like you know it's gone from i'm completely isolated in my house Mm. to you know here i am in the center of brighton and there's just crowds you know and my nervous system went into you know trauma at that point um and i'm sure a lot of people you know what happened to yeah what what it was like for all those young people suddenly going through a massive life transition Mm -hmm. in the middle of this real global catastrophe you know so yeah i think it's just good to keep like yeah keep those holding those two the you know the personal and the cultural and seeing how they overlap and we need the one to support the other Mm. yeah yeah definitely Mm. i think let's first of all just make the point uh, in case it's it's not already clear that of course uh, a lot of people have not been locked down a lot for a lot of people mm. um they've had to go to work uh for millions of people have had to go to work to do essential work to keep us all alive yeah. to keep us all healthy to keep us fed um and watered uh mm. and in some cases you know for me to buy booze that I need (laughs) Um, uh, so um, you know this is not a lot of people are not going to be experiencing I mean Mm. they'll be able to do more social things and be able to do non-work things but for a lot of people this is going to feel very different for that reason I guess there's still a sense of though you know what's your personal autonomy to make change you know if you're Mm. working in a store are there suddenly changes in the way you're um, expected to interact with people that may yeah. not feel safe enough for you, um, you know. So it's so there's still probably a question of like how do how can you gradually like shift from what you were doing to what mm. you maybe want to be doing mm-hmm. rather than it being sudden. And also how much power have you got to make those choices, or how much are they imposed on you by others? Um, I think that's that's a good question for everyone. But I think it's definitely important to say those groups of like people who've had to be out there as key workers. Um, and other kind of professions versus people who've been stuck alone during this time versus people who've been stuck in with other people that's really three particularly really different experiences um, of this time right definitely we're all kind of dealing with Mm. an unlocking from lots of different sides and angles as well so Mm. obviously if you work in customer service then uh, you then 
as well as you being someone who uh, might avail yourself of customer service, like you might go to the pub, you might also work in a pub. And so, yeah. you know, so there is the, there is the uh, going towards and people coming towards you, isn't that kind of uh, mm. thing going on? I think that's a useful thing to, that we all have to kind of bear in mind is that we're not, those of us who are, kind of gradually opening up our lives or not so gradually opening up our lives when we go to a place we have to remember that that they are also coming to us too there is a direction of travel from them too they are also doing that they're not just kind of passively just waiting for us and with the Mm. ability to accept everything that we're going to give to them so it's a good point so this opening up is going to be this kind of bi-directional thing isn't it it's going to be a relationship that we have with everyone with whom and it should be yeah Yeah. and i suppose that you know i can imagine a scenario there where somebody really doesn't have a lot of choice financially but to go back to their pub job you know Mm -hmm. now that that's possible Mm -hmm. and they may be quite nervous about that and then there's a whole load of drunk people suddenly not following the rules you know and what what would that be like for their nervous system and sense of risk so it really is about that like um yeah, we all need to sort of think about our responsibilities and our ethics in terms of each other, not just, our, our, you know, what's good for us. Yeah, because that can also further entrench inequality as well, can't it? I mean, there's a real, mm. there was a real opportunity with coronavirus for, I think, everyone to understand the impact that inequality has on everyone and actually, um, you know, some lives are valued less than others. And mm. we have to, we have to, try to remember this even when we're pissed and having a nice time right (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's 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 what ethics is it's like it's not just kind of it's not hand-wringing about this when you're listening to a story on the radio or on a podcast or something it's like what you do in those moments and the the potential harm you have that moment you could get to go out to the pub you know for the first time like a, do you have people in your social circle who, you know, because of chronic health conditions, disability or whatever, are not in that position? How mm-hmm. is that going to feel that mm-hmm. suddenly you've cancelled the regular Zoom to go down the pub? How mm-hmm. is it going to be yeah, for the people serving you in the pub? It's mm-hmm. like we've got to think about all this rather than just that I'm going to do this. It's all fine for me now, right? No, that's really important because we are all just mm. really, we are, the nature of being human is that we are interconnected. interconnected. We are several. Else, Not we are atomized, both. even though we may have felt very atomized for the last year, we aren't. Well, exactly. Separate. And even in the way that unlocking happens, that the, you know, we're having to stick to, to bubbles and we're having to be like even atomized within our bubbles and remain, you know, distance mm. from people that we're not in a, a bubble support household with. Um, but we are, we are still interpersonally connected. If you, you are, you are, if you go to a pub, and you're sitting mm. outside on a table, the people on the next table are interconnected to you because mm. not only uh, are you breathing, breathing in, well, not the same air because there's very little chance of getting COVID outside, but mm. you are in the same space. You get, you pick yeah. up the same vibes from people. The yeah. everyone is kind of dealing with kind of um, these new tricky feelings and I think to kind of to rush ahead and to think I'm going to mm. go to the pub and have a great time and you know is not cool we shouldn't yeah. do that 
Well, the couple of pieces I read, you know, sort of in vague preparation for this, as Laurie Penn has written a, a nice article mm-hmm. recently about the experience of, of very suddenly going from being super locked down to not being because of they've they moved to Australia. Yeah. Um, and then also I really like Karen Pollock, um, mm-hmm. who is counselling Kaz on Twitter, mm-hmm. has done a nice like infographic. Yeah, and both nice. of them kind of, yeah, kind of, again, point out this like this sense of that background level of trauma and how everyone's nervous systems is just on the hyper alert and mm-hmm. that there's going to be a lot of hyper vigilance around so again like i suppose it's about assuming that when you're out there or in wherever you are like the the people's people are going to be in that state of like quite hyper vigilant mm-hmm. um quite easy to tip over into overwhelm and reactivity mm-hmm. and again like how are you going to be you know like even to the point of like if, if yeah a group of people are really happy to be out and about and they're kind of you know wandering down the street making a lot of noise mm-hmm. a lot of people were still kind of in, in their homes feeling quite frightened by this whole situation yeah. like how does that land on their, their nervous systems yeah that kind yeah. of thing and it, yeah i mean i don't know how i've been thinking a lot about this lately about um you know consent and violence and things but you know it is like if you are reckless as to how your behaviour is going to land on other people, um, mm. or, or or don't care, or 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 intend to do this, you are performing like an act of violence. If you don't care about how other about mm. other people's anxiety about being out, about how this might be new to people, about caring about how the bar staff have to deal with you know deal with you hugging your friends or dealing with you going yeah. over to different tables, like you know you are. You are behaving in ways which are, in some way, a, a violence. It's a violation yeah. of people. And it's kind of spectrum of violence, isn't it? It's like yeah. violence is not just hitting somebody, but yeah, putting people in harm's way in, in multiple kinds of ways. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. um, yeah, so don't do that, basically. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> Please. Yeah. What, what, I mean, the, yeah, I think that it is this, it is this thing about... If you're not recognizing, if you're not recognizing your interconnectedness with the people around you, nor mm. uh, your ability to harm other people, uh, then you could harm other people. So yeah, yeah, I'm not and, sure and I've got anything more to say about it, but just well, power isn't it? I suppose mm. it's you know that I guess it, I get it mostly from the sort of disability justice, you know, that sense of access intimacy of like, mm. are we are we really being mindful? of everybody's access needs mm. and are we uh, you know what's our default you know are mm. we we've talked about this before like i think when, when we did consensual events you know mm-hmm. are, we, are we setting up an event around a default of the most able possible person in this right. room you know often the de- default kind of white cis hat kind of young guy or Hello. are we yeah are we <laughs> well young i don't know hey <laughs> I'm not sure. I think the default that it's set up round is maybe even younger than... I'm 45. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else on this podcast. Right. Oh, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> okay. So I'll just continue then. Yes. 
<laughs> I mean, I was putting myself in the in the same bracket there, um, as uh, not not the the young norm. Okay, fine, <laughs> we're not young. We're not young. Yeah, fine. sorry. All right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, are we, is that our default who we're kind of aim? Okay. As long as this is okay for them, doesn't kind of matter if other folks aren't feeling safe enough in this space because it's feeling safe enough to that default. Um, mm-hmm. Or are we thinking who's, who's in a way the most potentially vulnerable mm-hmm. in the setting and trying our best to set it up that it's, um, it's good for them too. And yeah, I mean, it's sort of tangential, isn't it? But it's this kind of thing of um, come out of the, the conversations about trans as well that, you know, often, trying to make sure for example that spaces are comfortable for trans people has often make resulted in spaces that are better for everybody mm-hmm. like having cubicle toilets in schools mm-hmm. that has decreased the rates of bullying mm-hmm. um for cis boys for example or i always use the example of you know open barbers and the amazing things they've done to make trans folks feel safe having their hair cut are actually things that would be really good for all hairdressers yeah like not having, to. having the choice about whether you look at yourself in the mirror the whole yeah, time or have a, yeah or have a conversation like yeah. do you want to talk on like on yeah consent checkings that kind of thing um so yeah actually and again disability justice folks make the same point that if we're really thinking about all the different bodies in a space and their access to it and trying to make sure that it's accessible to everybody Mm -hmm. that's often going to be better for everybody not just that person but i think there's a real often a real absence still of this kind of thinking around um around covid you know again Mm -hmm. an assumption well, we, I mean, we saw it in horrible ways initially of, you know, people sort of saying, well, I, you know, I haven't got a disability or a chronic condition and I'm right. young. So therefore, you know, I don't need to worry. Um, yeah. And, and the, the appalling way that the, that, uh, the statistics are reported, you know, that, um, mm. yeah, this number of people died. But, you know, a lot of them were elderly or had an underlying condition. Yeah. And then yeah. a lot of people on the liberal or the libertarian right saying well you know a lot of these people would have died anyway why are we locking down it's like horrendous it's grievability really, isn't you it you really see like yeah whose lives are considered yeah. you know valuable and grievable exactly and so i guess you know my call would be again to for people to really think about the access needs both in terms of physical and mental health mm. of the people in their lives and you know can we try and make the the decisions we make around the most fun potentially vulnerable Mm -hmm. or the people who really yeah who really still need to be super careful um people with immune conditions and so forth like instead of making these decisions based on yeah the most or the least vulnerable people yeah Yeah. that's the i'm glad we started with this because the you know the i think the natural approach would be to give like self-help to people who are navigating unlocking like facing the outside world for the what the first time what might feel like a year or a few months depending on what happened uh mm. last time round but actually we need to start with everyone else don't we we need to start with if mm-hmm. you're if if we need to start with how how what we're doing is going to affect other people and yeah. how and and what what conditions we need to create what what we can do what we can do in our communities to create conditions where everyone can feel like they can mm-hmm. do them and that's what group consent is it's what uh, it's mm-hmm. what a kind of more societal kind of consent culture might look like and that's what we're kind of talking about here is that we need to allow for uh, everyone having a different experience of the pandemic everyone mm-hmm. having a different uh, experience of actual health uh, needs health concerns uh, everyone having um, 
different amounts of confidence about this, just different, mm. you know, different motivations. Like we do have to allow that some people really, really have missed going to the pub, and that going to the pub mm. is so, so important. You know, so many people have just not been able to see anyone, and that's where you know that might be where the only place mm. where they can actually see people. So it's it's really, I guess it's a it's a podcast mm. which is encouraging everyone to be empathetic, um, yeah. yeah, and not I'm to thinking- rush to the next bit. No, exactly. And also to think, yeah, where's every, what is everyone else's pace? Um, and yeah, like again, um, this the thing that um, Karen Pollock has, the insta- infographic um, that they made, it's like all about this sort of just gradual exposure, mm-hmm. just going just going slowly, step by step. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, and yeah. Should we go through, through some of these? Because it's quite useful. Yeah. Uh, so we, I'll put the link to this in the show notes. Um, mm. It's a really nice little infographic called managing emotions as we unlock um Mm. and so this first one is step by step as we've been talking about um uh this uh, karen is it karen did you say karen pollock yeah Um, counseling cars on twitter like on twitter is where i saw it um Mm. step by step we can't change what feels safe overnight because for government announcement ease yourself back into doing things slowly uh, yeah, and again, it would be like trauma-informed, you know, perspective on... It's the sort of how you deal with even, like, a phobia of an animal or something, mm. is that you do this gradual exposure. Um, it's kind of... And, and so, uh, you know, you could, might even think about, like... I mean, I'm I'm thinking, of like, what's my list? You know, it's like I mm-hmm. do I do really want to visit people because I've had very little kind of human contact other than Zoom mm. during this time. But it was, you know, sort of an option came up to to do sort of a week somewhere else mm-hmm. and i was just like oh no mm. <laughs> no let's not do that what about you know spending a day somewhere else and then coming back what about then doing an overnight you know and and then also thinking about which people you know who feels safe enough to do that with mm. who's going to be okay if i do freak out in some way like just knowing myself very mm-hmm. well and thinking about the people so yeah with, with whatever kind of expanding you're doing you could almost make that like one to ten like yeah. <laughs> you know and, and and go from one to ten and also like if you go to two and two feels too much you can come back to one Mm-hmm. you know like that it's this kind of you can do the hokey cokey you don't have to be like oh now i've got to four i've got to stay there if it's if that feels too overwhelming you can come back a step it's the hokey cokey where you can just say okay i'm going to stop doing the hokey cokey now as well but yes yeah, the because <laughs> yeah. there is an escalation with the hokey cokey isn't there <laughs> God, it's so long since i've actually done well the real it's oracle you put your left yeah. foot in your left foot out in out, in, out, in, in out, out shake, shake it all, it all about it's a lot to be shaking it about when you've only just got used to putting it in and out. Yeah. Obviously, not all of our <laughs> listeners will even be able to do the hokey-cokey as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, let's do it. Let's save that for another podcast, the uh, <laughs> the normative script of the hokey-cokey. Right. How, yeah, we, exactly. might, how we might do a more <laughs> inclusive, less normative hokey-cokey. But I think what, a lot of what you're saying there as well really reminds me of sex. And what we said yeah. in our uh, best-selling sex advice book, a practical guide to sex, or enjoy yeah. sex how, when, and if you want to, for the old, for the real heads, for, the, the, for those that know, we yeah. one of our bits of advice in there was what if we treated every time we have sex like the first time we have sex, mm-hmm. and you know that that was basically about talking about you know how we might approach someone and or uh, an experience or ourselves anew and what that might mm. might feel like in terms of how. Uh, an, op- an opportunity for us to experience 
things more pleasurably to for us to engage with pleasure because sex is so fraught and there are so many different messages and our experiences of sex can do a number mm. on us but what if we treated what, what what might that open up now like every time we see a friend now let's treat it like it's the first time or let's at least that, treat it like yeah. it's the first time we've seen them in years or let's treat it like it's a long distance mm. relationship or we live in different countries and we're reacquainting mm. ourselves with people reacquainting yeah. ourselves with experiences and what might we do under those circumstances like if you had mm. uh if you had a partner who um if you didn't live in the same country as your partner and then you met up you don't immediately leap into bed and start shagging like what do you yeah. do to reacquaint your yeah, bodies with each reconnect. other and how do we reconnect yeah. and that's i think looking at it that way not only is more consensual it's giving everyone an opportunity mm. to step back and to kind of find their, to find their space uh to fight kind of to feel settled also it allows for it allows for people to feel their emotions uh, mm. uh and to to kind of to sit with what's happening but also there is possibility for it to be more pleasurable right yeah yeah and yeah, this yeah. goes for not just you know people we might meet but pubs we might visit shops we might go to you know the the, yeah. the we should focus more on the process of things rather than achieving the end goal of the thing we seek to set, seek to set and i like to. that yeah i like that idea that as well we're going to be in different places on different days with this aren't we mm. i mean i've been thinking a lot around this um model that's in a so many different places of um you know sort of concentric circles which we yeah. always love um but the sort of the, the middle circle being your comfort zone mm -hmm. and then this 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 challenge zone or it's in the trauma literature the window of tolerance mm -hmm. which is the stuff we can handle but it's beginning to get a bit edgy as we move out is that sometimes called the stretch zone as well i've heard stretch it zone yeah. yeah it's so comfort zones in the middle mm -hmm. overwhelm or trauma zone is the, the outer limit mm -hmm. and then the, in between the two and what i'm really noticed that 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 expands and contracts so differently on different days like at you know at the worst sort of level of trauma it feels like there's this tiny dot of the comfort zone i can just about stay on that dot but if i start thinking about what i'm going to do next even or anything else mm -hmm. i'm right straight away into the overwhelm mm -hmm. whereas obviously other days you know that window of tolerance is really quite wide um you know i can't i feel good coming out of the comfort zone you know it's really nice to, to be doing some of the things in the world and feeling competent at them mm. but it's sort of really about like that embodied tuning into yourself and knowing even on a particular day you know i'm, I'm doing this thing with my hands it's like the jellyfish no, you know yeah, expanding yeah, yeah, contracting yeah. thing like yeah where is that today mm. and again this ongoing check-in with people okay we said we were gonna meet up today in person but i'm noticing today you know my window of tolerance has kind of contracted mm -hmm. again um so let's leave that for another day or you know or this is what my needs are then mm -hmm. given that and and the, you know checking in in the beginning of a conversation where everybody's at in terms of their nervous system mm -hmm. a really nice way to bring this kind of embodied trauma perspective together with the consent pers perspective i suppose yeah it's mm -hmm. that ongoing embodied consent piece isn't it mm -hmm. it's the it's it's the handshakes, isn't it? We always talk about it, but yeah. it's the you know the, the handshake. Yeah. We have to be really aware. Of it. So the the script at the moment is we're all unlocking. We've already missed this. Let's just let's go out. Let's book a table yeah. at the pub. Let's go to the shop. Let's get a haircut. This is what we do now. That's the script. Yeah. Navigating navigating to being able to talk about what it is that we might want to do is is good here. Like being able to talk with each other about to talk to mm. each other about this. Talk to each other about what our needs are what our wants are what our wishes are uh, and having a conversation about which of how which things we can do that can might 
best meet all of our needs once so much as uh, for the thing that we want to do mm. uh, but then importantly we might not know exactly what that is some of it might be unfolding and relational as I talked about with Catherine Angel mm, from her great book love that conversation yeah and so we also have to be aware of the ongoing piece so it is mm. the ability to have check-ins and how's this yeah. going how's everyone feeling noticing you're feeling a bit tight if anyone needs to just get up and go for a walk around the block that's fine if someone's exactly. looking at their phone a lot why might that be because crucially you know this this window of tolerance piece it's like if someone tips into overwhelm that is gonna contract their mm. window of tolerance you know it may be that it even leaves them in a re-traumatized place for a few days a few weeks we want to be avoiding you know anyone feeling pushed into that overwhelm place and it may not look like they're melting down it like you say it may look like them looking on their phone because they may not feel able to you know they may just get quite shut down because yeah. they may not feel able to articulate so again it's just really important that we enable those around us to do this check and it will be fine you know if you have to just yeah suddenly end the zoom call or if you have to suddenly go home like much be- much better that than that you're kind of overriding yourself again overriding your self-consent mm-hmm. kind of looks a lot like pushing into the um trauma zone or the overwhelm zone and you know that that just does the the very thing we don't want to be doing which is to make it even less possible for us you know we're gonna contract even more if we do that big time so hanging out in the window of tolerance and coming repeatedly coming back to the comfort zone so that, that we can keep emerging from it to get that window of tolerance bigger um, and also being okay when it isn't that big and it's it's quite small today, you know. Big time. I think it's mm. worth remembering that the point of why it is that we do things to other people. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. if, if we just do things <laughs> by ourselves, we can do absolutely, well, I, in an ideal world, we can do everything exactly as we might want to do them, right? And mm. so that is our own individual agency. And mm. dip, tuning into that is, can be difficult. There are so many, as I talk about in my book, there are so many should stories about how we do yeah. it and 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 uh, ways that we uh, that we punish ourselves and uh, discipline ourselves um, through uh, our history and also the sense of uh, what uh, what society might think about what we do. However, the point mm. of doing things with something else isn't to do exactly what we want and then for that other person just to do exactly what they want separately to us. The point is that we gather some joint agency. Like we see what yeah. we can, we see what we pull together to see whether we can increase our collective agency for an hour, two hours, however long we're going to spend with each other. And so mm. the point is, is that we, by staying in that comfort and the stretch and the, and the window of tolerance, is that mm. we all will collectively then experience being in the comfort zone in the window of tolerance. And yeah. we have a nice time when we go home. And so, yeah. then, so next time, it might be that we might be able to get there again or we might do a little bit less mm. or a little bit a little bit more in terms of length of time or what it is we do or mm. how intense our... And so in many ways, it is kind of also a bit like sex and first-time sex again, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you know, the advice I give to young people is pick pick one or two things you might like to do and try that for as long as it do feels them for okay. for a while. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and I can see why people would really feel a pressure to do the opposite, though, at the moment. And, um, you know, I felt it myself like a kind of pressure to want to, like, figure out my life and what's it going to be like from now on sure. and, you know, make some quite big decisions. And then I found myself really stepping back from that and thinking, hey, now's not the time for that. But I can really see why people would, because it's been, you know, really... Yeah 
kind of miserable time for a lot of people, mm-hmm. really scary time for a lot of people. You kind of want it to just be different. Mm. Um, I'm thinking a lot about like connection and protection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this this urge to you know unlock mm-hmm. is is often a move towards connection, and we we can be really quite desperate for connection by this point, and wisely so. You know, because we we are interconnected, and we need other people's nervous systems sure. to help regulate our own, and there's all kinds of good reasons for going to connection, but we I think we often kind of prioritize connection over protection so that that's the kind of splurging out model I guess where you think well I so desperately need connection I'm not going to worry about protection anymore I'm just going to go for it mm. um and th- I guess what we're saying is like the need for the balance of the two um the other way you can go is because connection has become so scary you prioritize protection and you kind of look after yourself and keep yourself in 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 your little nuclear whatever it is you know and you're not you're not connecting out with others because it's just got so frightening Mm. so it's how do we i just feel like this model of those two kind of being woven together rather than having to choose the one over the other Mm. is a really nice one here of like how do we do enough protection you know, we, we almost like do this protection piece to expand the zone of tolerance or the window of tolerance, and then we can connect a bit more, and then we do another like mm. bit of protection so we can walk into that. So we're, we're, we're ensuring that the spaces we're going into, for example, us feeling safe enough that we can go into them and connect mm. and then doing the same and doing the same. And, and that's that's the way of kind of ensuring that the two go together rather than prioritizing connection over protection or protection over connection. Yeah, I think that's that's. I think that's really interesting. I think for me, it's mm. the. Um, for me, I think that it's worth attending to this kind of joint agency thing as well. The the mm. um, because I think that um, what is that I've got to say about this? I think that we've been saying all through when when we did podcasts at the beginning of this um, mm. that we are all interconnected and the, and the coronavirus has demonstrated our interconnectedness with with everyone else we are all reliant on people however a lot of us mm. just haven't felt that you know so it's been a yeah. bit kind of gaslighty really we've known that people yeah. are around us i've known that there are people who live near me who could get shopping for me if i had stuff as late yeah. but i don't know what they look like i don't know what their names mm. are and mm. you know i see my friends but it's mostly it's through zoom i've had mm-hmm. the occasional walk with people and it mm. and so I do think it is an opportunity to. I think, I think that. I'm, I, I wonder whether protection and connection might be a bit of a binary, and that maybe that, in order to feel protected, we have to feel connected. In order to feel no, connected, that's, we I have think, to feel, yeah. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah. It's like I, I can see them as I, I think people easily see them as a binary. Like you have to choose one over the other, right. and and it's a both and. Yeah. You know, and that yeah. we need them both together. Yeah. Um, we need connection for protection, and we need protection for connection. Yeah. And so that sense of like, how can we kind of. I don't know expand them together or something yeah. but I think it's so easy to you know again with the culture with a binary culture and with trauma which puts you in a very binary headspace yes. it's very easy to see it as I've got to choose you know okay now I can connect thank god I'm going to choose that over protection and protection goes out the window or it's been such a scary time for me I'm going to choose protection over connection because I can't even with the idea of seeing people again you know it's like yeah. 
how do we make it the both and you're absolutely right mm. it's a bit like the, mm. the literature around risk and resilience isn't it that they have to mm. be seen as being the same thing right like, i love that you were talking with Catherine angel about that sense of strength and vulnerability mm, yeah and i think that's it too. it's like how can we recognize that we are both we're both that strong person who has survived this time mm-hmm. and we're that incredibly vulnerable person who you know maybe at several times you know felt like they were completely overwhelmed and couldn't keep going you know it's like mm. we hold all of that in us and for me anyway this time has really shown me that bothness and it can feel quite hard to hold Mm. yeah again that the connection and protection simultaneously can feel hard to hold the strength and vulnerability but I think if we can like that's the way it's not pretending to be a strong person and getting rid of the sense that we're vulnerable Mm. or collapsing into that vulnerability and thinking that's all that we are and forgetting Mm. that we also have that strength or resilience you know that's really interesting I wonder how that plays out with in couple relationships as well like I wonder whether Mm. I wonder whether uh, for a lot of couples it might be that you know one person is designated the the connection person one person's designated Mm. the protection person you know I wonder whether one person's the strong one person's the vulnerable I wonder whether that's like you know I think that to see the same you're right to see the sameness the, the the what was your expression the the both both andness of these is that is really vital and in order to see that in everybody that we are doing any socializing with but also to see that as operating on a group level as well Mm. is really important and you dear listener the podcast listener who will develop these skills to take into your groups and with your people will probably be the person who ends up doing this work. <laughs> Unless everyone you go hang out with listens to our podcast, which might be true, but yeah, then that would mean our podcast is only listened to by, you know, very small cohorts of people around the country who all, you know, like it. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so I think it's just something to watch out for mm. whilst also being able to, you know, we're not I'm not saying monitor any group situation to the point <laughs> yeah. at which no one's having a good time at all but it's just I think no. that everyone needs to bring and to bear in mind I think that's a really useful mm. way of it's mindful isn't it, it. you know yeah. yeah mind mindful of it rather than monitoring of it and and also that we're going to make mistakes you know I think again oh you know that in such this such this culture of criticism mm. it's so hard to navigate such times because there's a sense of we must do it perfectly mm-hmm. and if we you know that's the, i think that's why the hokey cokey is so hard i think people feel like oh i must be able to navigate this perfectly mm-hmm. if i say i can do x and then i get there and i can't mm. I, I i mustn't say that i must just push on through and yeah. it's i think you know allowing ourselves to be imperfect and to yeah like fumble about a bit with this sure. and allowing each other you know and enabling other people to do that too like you say noticing that person's not looking great and saying hey yeah. you know have you had enough tonight mate yeah. that's fine you know yeah it's the escalator isn't it um yeah just to go back to the hokey cokey of course you can't do you can't even do the hokey cokey because <laughs> unless you're in your household bubble can you like it's mm. only household bubbles at the moment who are allowed even allowed to do the hokey cokey. You have to remain. Yeah. This podcast is not telling everyone to do a non-socially distanced hokey cokey. That would be irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that we have any influence over people's minds. It's not like we're you know. Well, again, and it's such a. And so, I think something. we we talked about this before, didn't we? About like you know how much it is like conform 
go with the rules or how much it is like find your out you know now that it's possible to get tests and you know yeah. people are bubbled in certainly in different ways it's not this exact science as well is it people are going to be making different calls but i suppose it's about being really mindful about how the, the judgment or the, the the call that you're making mm-hmm. about what feels safe enough might impact somebody else mm-hmm. um as well as trying to open up people's options to to make the make the decisions that feel comfortable for them i think the important just to while i remember it that is worthwhile remembering that this might this kind of social anxiety uh after lockdown might be something dear listener that you're experiencing for the first time or might feel quite new Mm -hmm. for other people this is their lives this Mm -hmm. this kind of social anxiety that you might be feeling is something that a lot of people just have so yeah. Really, this is we ought to have been doing this all of the time. We've been talking about this stuff a while, but this is the kind of things that we should be paying attention attention to well, at all times. Is, this is the disability point, isn't it? I mm. suppose it has given many people insight into what it's like for um, physically disabled folks a lot of the time, and for people with mental health struggles. Like this is the third, third or fourth time in my life that I've experienced a like big uh, post traumatic stress period. Mm-hmm. Um, but for but for some people it may be the first. It may be that this you know tip them into like you say whether we label it social anxiety or depression for a lot of people mm-hmm. or um, you know whether we like, label it with as as trauma. Yeah, like it's really good to go out of this time thinking, oh my god, that is what some people are up against. Mm-hmm. You know, um, at other times, that's yeah. what some people are up against all the time because mm-hmm. they're constantly in it. And what yeah, what can we take from that in terms of compassion and again access intimacy Mm -hmm. of really recognizing because it does give you that potential then to really understand it at a I don't know in some ways until you've experienced some of those things on a really embodied level of what it's like to be um yeah like that isolated um in terms of what you what you have physical capacity for mental capacity for Mm. it's really it's really hard to properly empathize so maybe there's a potential in that yeah and it's the potential Mm. for doing not and mm. not the potential for not doing. I think it's really important that we that everyone kind of grasps this. I'm sure listeners, listeners, fans of your work and fans of our podcast will get this. Is that we bring this up not to say people shouldn't do this. We we talk about you know mm. inequality and uh, access, intimacy, and um, uh, how uh, agency is unfairly distributed in society. Not to, not to make you feel guilty, not to make you feel like you, there are things you should avoid, You know, th- there are things you shouldn't be doing. It's about, okay, what is it that I've got in any given situation that can in- build other people's agency, that can increase the mm. capacity for our joint agency? And by doing yeah. that, how can we all have a better time? That's what it yeah. is that we're doing. And so... That doesn't mean that. So, for example, someone with a disability might be, uh, you know, might be the person who can say to someone else who doesn't have a disability, "It looks like you need a bit of support around this." I'm noticing mm-hmm. this. You know, it's like I think this is the thing that people confuse when they when we talk about um, when we talk about marginalisation and and rights and privilege. Uh, that mm-hmm. it's really what we need to get to is a point of solidarity and thinking about okay who's got what what can we bring to the table how can we all yeah. have a better time how can we have a better time for everyone and actually yeah. that's just more fun rather than one person just kind of blithely ignoring everything it's the it's yeah. the when you have the power you use it and you use it with everyone to, and you give them some of it too 
and it's often much more of a mutual conversation because most of us are you know marginalized in different ways or sure. you know suffering in different ways so i think it you know in most of my circles it's more about a conversation of like oh right this is where this person is in terms of neurodiversity so these are their needs in terms of attention and this is what somebody's physical capacity is mm-hmm. um but it really varies day to day so where are you at today and mm-hmm. like you know here's here's what here's how i'm doing in terms of the trauma stuff and like yeah let's have that check in first and see yeah what can we do that maximizes everyone's chance to feel good in this encounter um and again and again keep doing that ongoing so it's you know it's going to be it's going to be better for everyone and there's also that real gift of i mean you know we we were saying it about sex you know just how much better that sexual encounter is for everybody if it's been done in that way it's the same with a a social gathering or hanging out with a friend it's like you're not you're not going to enjoy it much if that other person is in overwhelm the entire time or if their body's in pain and they're not able to say so you know it's like that's not going to be fun for anyone no exactly it's like the equivalence is the um you know the perfect blowjob technique doesn't exist the perfect blowjob doesn't exist but the the conditions wherein a perfect blowjob can happen do exist what processes do we need to put in place in order that the perfect blowjob might happen similarly the perfect pint in a garden doesn't exist it's like the it's the what conditions do we need to put in place in order for that pint in a pub garden to be like just the best you know and that's the the processes and i feel like those are the processes that um i've been bringing in with a lot of friends around the zoom calls or the phone calls at this time where we've been like okay standard is we check in on the day are we Mm -hmm. still in a good place for it it's fine for anyone to cancel or postpone also often at the beginning of the call we check in about how long we're thinking Mm -hmm. we make sure everyone feels that they could say if actually they were beginning to get tired we talk about the structure you know with a lot of people we 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 share headlines at the start or we do a Mm -hmm. check-in of how we're doing at the start these are the kind of processes that i love because often it means we have these really rich calls you know and are able to share quite vulnerably and again it's because it's protection and connection we've done all of this process work to enable that us to really connect you know because we feel held and heard and that the other person is being careful around us you know it's so important it's so mm. uh, and we've, we've said it again and again and again but pay attention as much to the process as the content if not more yeah. so like the the aim should be for the the process is to enable a, a nice thing to happen rather than the focus a nice thing happening um yeah Let's go through some of these other uh, top tips mm. from uh, Karen. Um, I like the one about staying the same. Uh, so some changes, some changes mm. you might want to keep, like zooming family, wearing masks on public transport. I think we're still meant to wear masks on public transport in the UK uh, at the moment. Mm. I'm pretty sure. Just double check that. But even when it gets past yeah. that point, yeah. it's like it was really smart in a lot of countries where people were doing that whenever they felt sick right mm-hmm. that they would wear a mask if they had to go out and that seems like a really sensible thing to keep doing yeah. now we've got used to wearing masks we talked yeah. about that in our um consent and sickness episode that was that mm. was just as coronavirus was starting it was kind of when we started hearing about covid19 for the first time and we we yeah. did that go back and listen to that dear listener um but yeah, uh, wearing masks when we're feeling a bit cold, not going into work, like when we're mm. feeling like we've got a cold coming on and infecting other people. And, Things like and that are going to change. And workplaces, 
workplaces hopefully starting to say that's that's the deal here because it is really hard for people yeah. to make that decision themselves if it might mean loss of income or that's one of their sick days you know well yeah. this is the one of the things that the government still aren't getting right is paying people adequate sick pay to stay at home to self-isolate that's the issue uh, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. how good test and trace is if people can't afford to isolate if they have to go mm-hmm. to work in our uh, Seemingly ever increasingly uh, deregulated zero hours doggy mm. dog economy, neoliberal <laughs> economy we are still living in. Uh, anyway, that's the politics. But, uh... Well, I hope you've enjoyed this chat so far. If you want to hear the full conversation, head over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships. Uh, we chat a bit more about this topic and also chat about what we've been watching on TV over the last few weeks. So, some Uh, top cultural tips for you to listen to there Um, also if you have any questions you'd like to send through for a future advice show you can email me at culturesexrelationships at gmail.com and um, yeah look out for another episode of culture sex relationships coming soon thanks for listening bye